Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad that. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And be glad in it. This, this is, is the day, day that, that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Shall we pray together? Dear God in heaven, pour your Holy Spirit into this place, that in all that we do, all that we are, we might experience you and your presence with us today as we've come to worship you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you, if you're able, to stand as we're going to sing together the first Noel.
The Lord be with you. Please be seated. I made the mistake in case you're wondering. That's, that's what happened. Uh, this morning, we do ask that if you want offering envelopes for next year, that you see the table out in the front entrance of the church. And in your bulletin, there is an offering envelope for community missions in Niagara Falls. And here's some information about that. Community Missions began in 1923, and since that time we've provided services for the people that are most in need throughout Western New York. We have everything from a soup kitchen to a food pantry. We have a clothes closet and we have emergency housing. Those are just a few things that we do on a daily basis here. Uh, in all, we have 19 different programs that serve uh, Niagara County across 14 different locations. And uh, if there's one thing that we've learned over the past 92 years, is that we absolutely cannot do it alone. Last year alone, we served over 100,000 meals and provided 11,000 nights of shelter and had over 7,000 visits to our closed closet. My grandfather and I used to deliver food here and I took care of him the last four years of his life. He passed away, and now I have to come here. Up in Niagara Falls now for seven years, I was homeless. As a 50-year-old woman, I found myself out of the loop, kind of, uh, work-wise. I hadn't worked in a very long time. Um, I put a lot of job applications in, I just didn't get any requests for my services. If Community Missions wasn't here, I would maybe still be on the streets doing more drugs and not doing good for myself. The community missions uh, involvement in my life has been invaluable. And if it wasn't for the community missions, I really don't know where I would be. Probably sleeping outside somewhere. It helped me get closer to my family and closer to my kids. I live three blocks away. If I don't have anything to eat, I can come here <clears throat> for lunch. And it's a fabulous lunch. Coming to the closed closet is like Going to the mall for some people, it just relieves the stress, it makes us feel better. And everybody, everybody works together. Everybody's like, you know, they know something about somebody you're hiring or anything like that, come down to the city missions. They will, you know, they'll, they'll help you out. You know? God gave a lot of things to people, and people should give things to people too, if they need help. So we thank you for your support that you've given us in the past, and uh, thank you for the support you're giving us now, and look forward to having a partnership with uh, Pendleton United Methodist Church far into the future. Good morning. And regarding, ooh, there we go. Regarding, um, praise God for the sun, amen? Amen. We just got to stay out of the direct sunbeam, right? Um, in your um, bulletin, you'll find more information about community missions and an envelope. If the Lord is putting it on your heart to um, contribute to that very, very worthy mission, please make your checks payable to Pendleton Center United Methodist, and we make sure that we get all those funds to um, the community missions. Just make sure that you designate it specifically for community missions, and but make the check payable to PCUMC. All right? Uh, we also have um, a New Year's announcement, just a reminder for um, families with children. If you like, we have nursery care available, and we also have junior church for children from ages three up until third grade. Pastor Tom's in the back. If anyone is wanting to go to um, either of those sites, uh, you're welcome to, to go back and meet with Pastor Tom, and he'll take you over where you're going. We have a wonderful, wonderful joy to share this morning. Um, Eleanor Ruth, 
was born on Friday to Bridget and Kevin Weller. So um, Yvonne and Phil Bova are grandpa and grandma again, and, and um, Nancy Rexinger, the whole Rexinger-Bova-Weller family is just so excited about that. And we're always blessed to welcome new children into our midst. Amen? Amen. What other joys do you have to share? I know, I know it's tough to top that one, but I know you've probably got some. New friendships, that is a joy. Thank you, Mary. Others? Yep, Linda. And we are blessed to have you back in the sanctuary worshiping with us, Linda Barzakowski's home. Amen. Um, other um, joys to share this morning? Yep. Oh, amen. Visiting. How many of you, you know, think about this over the holidays that have happened? Have you had a chance to visit with family, whether they're far away or nearby and you just don't get to see them that often? Isn't it a blessing to gather together with family? I know the Lord fills us to overflowing with joys, and he blesses us abundantly in all ways in this life. So let's return some of our blessing back to the Lord in our, gift, our gifts and our tithes and our offerings.
Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day and for the opportunity to gather together and worship you. We ask, Lord God, that you would accept these gifts that we offer up. Not only the gifts of our financial resources, Lord, but all of the gifts that you have blessed us with. We offer them all to you. Teach us, Lord. Give us wisdom to know how to best use them for the furtherance of your kingdom. We desire that many come to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray also for all of the work of the community missions, and we ask that you bless that work. Bless and multiply all offerings being given up for that good work this day. And help them, Lord. Give them wisdom to know how to reach others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I know we all have concerns on our hearts that we have, have left unspoken for a variety of reasons, but we know that God hears and answers our prayers, knowing what we need before we even ask. And so let's turn to the Lord in prayer. You're welcome to join me from your seat or at the rail. God of all creation, you love us so much and have loved all humanity throughout all time so much that you sent your son, God incarnate, into the world to bring light, to make a way for peace and justice according to you. What, what you expect from your people, according to what you have called us to, because you are a holy God. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that your church would have everything that we need to be able to stand in that light, to shine it for all to see, to be examples of holy, just, right living in this dark and broken world. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us what we need in terms of strength, in terms of endurance, in terms of wisdom and knowledge that come from you by your Holy Spirit. That we would know what to do and where to go and what to say in the midst of all circumstances. Help us, Lord, to allow those things that in our natural minds we believe and think to be impacted and influenced by you. Help us to know the way you have called us to go. Sometimes, Lord, there are surprises. We think that we should be thinking one way and you just turn us around. You've turned us as your people from sin. We understand what repentance means in that way, but Lord, we do not know you fully. We don't completely have our heads wrapped around who you are and what you expect in terms of how we love one another, how we care for one another, who we are in you, 
as we shine your light in the world. Help us, Lord. Help us to go deeper with you. Help us to understand you better. Help us to know you in a depth of knowing that we have never had before in our lives. We pray for our church, Lord God. We pray in Jesus' name that you would lead and guide us, that you would give us wisdom, that you would grant wisdom to all of the delegates who will be going to the General Conference and sifting through all of the ideas and plans and purposes and help, Lord God, that body of people to come to a decision that is pleasing to you. Now, Lord, we pray for all of those cares in this world, especially for what's going on in the Middle East, Lord God, for the involvement of the United States in the Middle East conflict. We pray in Jesus' name for wisdom for our officials, wisdom for the people that they're dealing with, for officials from all other nations. Give them what they need, Lord God, to be bringers of peace. Protect all of those who are helping in this effort, Lord, in whatever way you've called them to. And pray also for people who are enduring all kinds of troubles, whether it be natural disasters or um, just some sort of poverty, Lord God, um, deaths in families, Lord, for unjust purposes and causes for all kinds of troubles and tragedies. We pray especially for the people of Australia right now, lifting them up and asking that you would bring them help. We pray also, Lord God, now for all of, of our own people. For those who are sick and infirm, Lord God, grant healing. Touch them with your healing power. Give wisdom to their doctors and their nurses and their caregivers. Allow them to be whole in their spirits, their souls, and their bodies. Draw them closer to you, Lord God, during these times of trouble. And we pray also, Lord, for those who are grieving losses. We ask for comfort. We pray for peace for them in their, in their souls, in their spirits. We pray that the memories of those loved ones would be memories of love and peace and joy, and that they would know the hope of eternal life in you because of their Christian faith. We pray for all those, Lord, who do not know you. We pray in Jesus' name that they would be drawn near to you by your grace, and we pray that they would see you that they would recognize, Lord, just as, as Moses recognized that the bush wasn't burning, but there was a flame there and that fire was you. Let them recognize the fires in, in their lives. Let them recognize you revealing yourself to them. Let them be able to see that it's you. Be with us as we worship this morning, Lord God. Wash over us and transform us that we may be more like Jesus as we sing and pray and praise you as we hear your word. 
Be with Pastor Tom as he brings the message you've given him for us today. Let it be a blessing to him and a blessing to us. Make all of our worship to be a blessing to you, Lord, for that is why we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? morning. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jeff. A long time ago when I was young, I learned a little song in church. Some of you might remember it. Why should I be discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my partner, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching 
me. Some of you remember that old song. It's a very nice little song. It comes from a passage in the book of Matthew that says, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than a bird? Really a wonderful thought to think that God is taking care of us and God is providing for us and God is watching over our every decision. This story about the kings I've preached on probably 20 times or more over the years. And traditionally, this time of the year, we talk about how God is calling us to a new new mission, a new vision, a new goal in life. We need to follow the star that God has put into our lives. He will send angels to show us the way that we should go, and he will send his protection, just as he did with Jesus, sending the kings to come from the east to bring precious gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which helped the baby Jesus escape to Egypt where he was saved from the wrath of Herod, and all is well. And it's a wonderful story, and all of that is true. Except Mary and Joseph end up being homeless people, living in Egypt. All of Jerusalem, it says, is upset. And if you read verses 16 and 18, you find out that in Bethlehem, little babies died. So how can a loving God make a plan that leads to babies dying? In some ways, we look at this story and we see an epic failure. If the wise men never took the trip, if Herod remains clueless, Joseph and Mary don't need the gifts and Jesus wouldn't have to go to Egypt. If only. Have you ever said that? about your life somewhere? If only I had taken that job, if only I didn't meet up with so-and-so, if only I had studied for that test, if only I wouldn't have had that one more drink and gotten in the car, if only I had... You can hear the if-onlys, and you've got them too, don't you? Wouldn't want to go around the room and ask everybody to tell it, because you'd say, please, don't do that. But deep in our heart, we all have the if-onlys, the regrets. And I would suggest to you that this passage is much deeper than God is just watching over us as we go through life. It's about how God can break the chains of regrets that bind us to a broken past. Because what regrets do is they hold us in the brokenness that happened in our lives, sometimes years and years and years ago, we're held back there by chains that seep into our minds and our lives and won't let us go. God placed us in a perfect garden, the Bible tells us, and we wrecked it. God gave each of us the opportunity for a life that could have been exactly what God had designed, and we chose to do something else. Does that sound familiar to anybody? That's the story of our lives so often, isn't it? The wise men mess up. They should have just gone to Nazareth. 
They had no reason to go to Jerusalem. They shouldn't have talked to Herod. And Herod made a choice to be an evil king. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to feel threatened by a little baby that didn't matter. And God didn't make them do this. God didn't design a plan where they would make mistakes that would lead to tragedy and hurt. God simply allowed it. See, the problem is, is in life, we want to say that God's got a plan for everything and it's all designed and it's all laid out. And that means that we don't have to take the blame anymore. We'll just blame God. God must have wanted it this way. God must have decided this. God must have made the decision. God must have... It's God's fault that everything happened. We just don't understand why. Then we don't have to accept responsibility, right? Pastor Lisa mentioned that our United Methodist Church has been in the news lately, which it has. I've seen some of the news. And they've said we've made all these changes. We haven't made any changes. We don't make changes until April when we have our general conference, which we hold every four years, and they make decisions. Now, the truth is, for all the years I've been a pastor, they've been saying around this time of year that we're going to do all kinds of things, and the church is going to blow apart, and all kinds of stuff are going to happen, and April comes, and that hasn't occurred. Now it may, because people will make decisions. Hopefully, they'll make decisions based on what they believe God is leading them to do, and hopefully, they'll make decisions that neither they nor we will regret, but they will make decisions. Much like our country made a decision, our president made a decision to launch missiles to kill a general of another country. Maybe these decisions will lead to regrets, or maybe these decisions will be looked upon in history as as the the absolute perfect and right decision. I don't think that the people who make these kinds of decisions intend to do wrong. Oftentimes, they're trying to do the right thing. And so did the kings. They were trying to follow God. And they made some wrong decisions. It's very hard. So this passage ends with this statement, out of Egypt I have called my son. Out of Egypt I have called my son. And so because of that, we think that it was essential that Jesus go to Egypt. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament about the Messiah that we haven't seen yet. We say it's coming in the second coming. They could have chosen this passage or this passage or that passage. But they chose this line. And because of that, we think that somehow providence means that we are predetermined, we are destined, if you will, to follow a certain course in life. Now, that's not a Methodist theology, by the way, but it is a theology of many Christians, that God has laid out a plan that we cannot really vary from even if we want to. Or as we say, we make choices. We make choices and decisions, and and providence is not predestination. Prophecy is not a prediction of a future that must be fulfilled. It's simply a statement of what God already knows. One of the hard parts about studying God is that God is so far beyond our minds. Okay, And we're trying, in our own little human understanding of life, 
to comprehend God. And one of the things we don't understand is God does not live within time. God is not captured by our time. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Not he was and he will be. He is. He's the whole thing outside of time. He knows what's going to happen. Anybody here ever see a movie? Yeah, a few of you have. Okay, good. good. Just make sure we got the same reference point. Anybody here ever see a movie more than once? You know what? You know what's going to happen in that movie, don't you? But the people in the movie don't. Right? They have no idea what's going to happen. And you're going, I know it. Don't open the door. Right? Because we know what's going to happen because we don't live in the movie. God doesn't live in our movie. But because of that, it doesn't mean everything must happen. See, we are stuck in our own little, small, logical minds, thinking everything has to work the way we think. God has given us the ability to make decisions that can literally change the course of history. It could change the course of history for good, or it could change the course of history in such a way that it breaks God's heart. If the kings never followed the star then a lot of this wouldn't have happened. Or if they would have followed the star where it was going to Nazareth instead of to Jerusalem where it didn't go, if they wouldn't have talked to Herod. And if he didn't see Jesus, a baby, as a threat to his throne, what would have happened if Joseph didn't listen to the kings? See, The truth is, we make decisions. And sometimes we make the right ones, and sometimes we make the wrong ones. According to Geico, that's what happens in every horror film. Let's hide in the attic. No, in the basement. Why can't we just get in the running car? Are you crazy? Let's hide behind the chainsaws. If you're in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. That's what you do. I'm being quiet. Breathing on me. What? Are you crazy? Don't get in the running car. It's so easy to see what somebody should have done years later, isn't it? It's so obvious to see how somebody made a mistake. And I'm sure if we explained what we've done wrong in our life, the things we regret the most, it would be so easy for somebody to say, what were you thinking? All right? It's so hard when you're in the midst of it. But when when Matthew chose that line, out of Egypt I will call my son, he wasn't trying to give you a geographical reference. Because it really didn't make a lot of difference geographically where Jesus came from, he was trying to tell you to read Hosea chapter 11. Have you ever read Hosea chapter 11? It is probably one of the most powerful chapters in the entire Bible, and especially in the Old Testament. We're going to actually walk through it. Very small Bible study here, all right? This is what it begins with. When I, Israel was a child, 
I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Oftentimes when they quote one line of a passage, you're just saying, go read this chapter. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the bowels, they burned incense to images, and even though I had rescued them, they chased after false gods and were unfaithful. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they didn't realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. I bent down to feed them. God cares about us the way a mother or father loves their children nurtures them, cares for them, looks after them, loves them, lives their lives for them. Will they not return to Egypt? Will, they, will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? Egypt was not a good place in the Bible. They've been so bad that they're going to have trouble. I'm not, I, a sword will flash in their cities. It'll devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. Even though they call me God Most High, I will by no means exalt them. I am going to destroy them. Because they've betrayed me. They've hurt me so deeply. Have you ever been hurt like that by someone? Have you ever hurt someone that way and felt that regret? And then this. This most wonderful part of Hosea. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like you're nothing? How can I make you like someone I don't know? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again, for I am God, not a man, the Holy One among you. You see, that's what Matthew wants us to understand. Not that Jesus came from Egypt. That would be like saying we want Jesus to come from Las Vegas or something. I'm sure there's good people in Las Vegas, but what would that mean to us? Egypt wasn't a place where holy people came from. Why would God be concerned about that? Matthew wanted us to understand. God calls us out of sinfulness. God calls us out of our humanity. God calls us back to his love. The fulfillment of Hosea 11 isn't some geographical thing. It's that God still loves us in spite of us. We want to see God as as some kind of special forces unit that rescues us from problems that could have been prevented. Kind of like this.
Here comes God. That's what we want to believe God does, right? We create a mess. We create a problem. We create a destructive situation. And God will sweep in and rescue us. Just like the Marines. And God does provide. But we created the situation. You see, the triumph of God is not preventing Herod from killing Jesus. Do you in any way believe that the Son of God could be killed by a human king? Do you believe in some strange way that the baby Jesus would not have been protected by the entire heavenly army and Herod could not have lifted a finger against this little baby? Seriously. God's son is going to be killed by a crummy little king? I don't think so. I don't think so. The triumph is that God is giving us grace instead of what we deserve. And let's remember, the kings were good. They were good guys. They weren't bad. They were trying to do the right thing. They were following the star that God set up for them, just like we're to follow the angels that God sends to us to give us the message of the path that we're supposed to take. They brought precious gifts to honor the child. They were looking to worship the Son of God. But they messed up. We have a fascinating thing as religious people that we have this tendency to believe that when we read this line in Matthew, which says... Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. It means that we're supposed to do nothing wrong. And, and it is good to do nothing wrong. I don't want you to misunderstand. God is not pleased when we do bad things. We should try to do our best. We should try to live as holy and as righteous a life as we can. But really, have you read this book? This is a book about dysfunctional people. Adam and Eve. Abraham. Jacob, there's a character. David and Bathsheba. Samson and Delilah. Peter and Paul. And all the other totally dysfunctional people of the Bible. One of the reasons I love reading this book is because I don't feel so bad about me when I read it. These people are truly messed up. And yet God takes them perfect people like us and gives way back to the perfection of Eden. Isn't that amazing? There's an old saying that people use. You've probably heard it. You might have even said it. When God closes a door, he opens a window. That's kind of goofy, really. He thinks God's down here slamming doors on us, you know? God gives you the door or the window. Your choice doesn't matter. You'll have to figure out what that decision will do. But here's the truth. When we burn down the door, God opens a window. Do you, do you hear? When we, when we lead our lives in a destructive pathway, God gives us an opportunity for a way out. 1 Corinthians tells us this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to people, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. 
Whenever you're tempted to do something that's truly wrong, truly evil, that's bad, that will be the wrong course of life for you, if you look around, then you'll see the window. You can still go through the door. But there will be a way for you to continue to follow God. The kings messed up. They messed up. But God made a way anyways. God made it work in spite of what they did. And God still loves us and provides for our redemption so that we can break the chains of sin in our past and be free to live a life of redemption in the future. God is a powerful God. And what he wants us to do is to be perfect the way he was perfect. Listen to what he says in that chapter from Matthew. There you go. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain to take care of the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Not even the tax collectors, they do that. If, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. In this way, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect in that the gift you give, the offering you give, is love that God has loved you. And he gives us a way. He gives us a way that we can break through the brokenness of yesterday, that we can release ourselves from the chains that bind us from the regrets of our past life. You want to guess what it is? We do it every week. We pray to God that he'll take those away. And I invite you to do that today. Dear God in heaven, I have sinned. I have sinned. I have sinned. Forgive me, Lord. Change me. Help me to repent. Help me to live towards your grace, your redemption, and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, we say that every week. And that is a powerful thing the first time you ever really absorb the idea that Jesus forgives everything you've ever done wrong. But somehow people still are chained to these regrets. Wesley wrote a hymn. We have it in our hymnal. It says that he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. So what that means is you need to really accept the gift that God is giving you right now. That your sin in the past is removed. That God loves you 
not because of how good you are, or not because you made all the right decisions, or not because you even chose to follow his star, but he loves you because he loves you. Just like a parent loves a child even when they mess up. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Let go. Break loose. Don't let the chains of what you did in the past hold you. You can learn from them. But regrets are for yesterday. The star is for tomorrow. Time for new beginnings, not just a new year, a new life. To live as people who are free. Yeah.
children of God, let's greet our neighbors with the peace of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when do we play this? Play this before communion? I think we do.
The Word of God tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that's what we celebrate at the table. That God came in love, that God came to birth love into our hearts, that God came to leave us in a state of just love for one another, for God, for those who love us and for those who don't love us. But we are to love one another. He invites us to the table so that we can receive once again more of that love in a, in a way that's unique and special. Everyone is welcome to come to the table. If you love God, repent of your sin and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Come to the table and receive the bread. Receive the juice, the body and blood of Christ. God wants to bless you here. Doesn't matter if you're a member of this church or of any church. If you know that God has birthed love in your heart today and you want to receive more of God, come to the table. He welcomes you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. You sent a star to guide wise men to where the Christ was born. And in your signs and witnesses in every age and through all the world, you have led your people from far places to his light. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise and gave it to his disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood, 
the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice, in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray with the confidence of dearly beloved children of God, the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving this morning please come forward.
Bible, I'd like to invite you to stand as we sing We Three Kings. poinsettia, please take one, because otherwise we're getting rid of them, okay? <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to destroy your image of the, of the wise men. They were great people of great faith, trying to do the right thing. In some ways, they did wonderful things. In some ways, they made mistakes, like you and me. I talk to parents a lot about their parenting, and parents seem to have more regrets than anybody in the whole world. I don't know why, but they do. And what I usually tell them is this. Did you do your best? Did you do your best? If you tried to do your best and, and something messed up, you did the best you could, you did good. God doesn't want you to be chained to the regrets of yesterday. He wants you to live into the promise of tomorrow. We can learn from our mistakes, but we don't want to live there. We want to live in the promise and follow the dreams that God has designed for your life. 
break free and live as people of grace. Go in God's peace.